I uh, still have a few lessons to go with regards to adding grace to your faith because I believe that these things are important. The Word of God changes us. The Word of God washes us. That's why it's good to listen to the Word. Things are happening in your life that you are totally unaware of because it's spirit. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. So when you hear the word, even though you don't realize what's going on, you are being changed. I remember when I was saved, I, I, I was going to this uh, Christian, we call it crusade, you know, out on the open. And there I saw miracles. Uh, and I went every night. For some reason, I felt drawn to go. And I kept going. But if you asked me if I was becoming a Christian, I would say, are you crazy? I'm not. I'm just going to watch what's going on there. And I kept going every night. And then I told my mom, can you go with me? I'm seeing miracles. Uh, uh, people, uh, God's healing people. But if you ask me, are you going to become a Christian? No. And then after the crusade, they gathered all, all of us together. They said, we want to teach you more about this stuff you've been hearing. And I stayed with them. And then they said, uh, we're going to baptize all of you if you are coming. Uh, I want to be baptized. But if you ask me if I was becoming a Christian, I'll tell you absolutely none. I just, no, I'm just getting baptized. Before long, I was part of them. And I realized, I've gone too far. I can't go back. <laughs> it's, it's too much. There's no going back. Amen. And it's been many years <laughs> since then. I think uh, some of my family members will be here uh, during my son's uh, wedding. And uh, it be fun. Talk to them, okay? <laughs> Those days were really fun days for me. Right. Right, Mama? <laughs> they were fun days. I had to move from my home after a while. Man, the persecution was strong. Um, but God is good. Amen? Amen? So, the scripture we're reading from, that's Second uh, Peter, chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. It says, but also for this very reason. For this very reason, we're talking about the great and precious promises that God has given to us, that by these promises we might be partakers of his divine nature. And so Paul, uh, Peter is saying, because of this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. You already have faith. You are not going to have faith if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you are confident that he is your savior. Once you have that, you have faith. You need to grow in your faith, but you also have faith. And that faith, even as small as it is, can move mountains. That Jesus said so. So he says, add to your faith virtue, goodness. Add to your faith virtue. You need that because it's going to show up your faith. Is going to make your faith produce both in your life and in the lives of those around you. Your faith will produce more if you had virtue to it. And then you add to your to virtue, had knowledge. And, and you know, people who have knowledge, you've been around those who have real knowledge. They, they think they have real knowledge and they talk and talk a lot. And so uh, knowledge pops up. So the Bible says, uh, have some self-control. Okay? After that, 
adds to your knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, he says, add godliness. Godliness. Faith and godliness go together. Godliness, what does that word mean? To be godly. You know, I woke up this morning and I knew that was the Lord. I, I just saw something came to me very clearly. And I got to go quickly. Check before I came to church, we, some of us come in the morning here to pray every, every single day. Somebody's praying at 6 o'clock here at the church. So I had to run. But the word was, Lord, make me like you. You are a servant. Make me one, two. Lord, whatever you do, make me. Please make me a servant. Jesus was a servant of God. And God spoke to me this morning. He said, the greatest honor a man, a human being can ever have on his life is to be called or to be made a servant of God. Being a servant. Godliness is the opposite of worldliness. That's what it is. To be a servant of God. To produce for the kingdom of God. In Isaiah chapter 43, believers verse 10, he says, you are my witnesses. Said the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. He says, that you may know and believe and understand that I am he. He is a servant. Before me, there was no God formed. I'm quoting the scripture over here. There was no God formed before me. And after me, there will be no other. And then he said, I, even I, I am the Lord. And beside me, there is no Savior. The servant is the Savior. So becoming godly means becoming a servant of God. Godly, not worldly. All your attention and everything that you're doing is to produce for the kingdom of God. Being godly. Now, another scripture. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11. He says, he shall see the labor of his soul. And will be satisfied. He'll see the labor of Jesus' soul and he will be satisfied. It says, by by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquity. He is God's righteous servant. And he justifies many. He meaning he makes many righteous. You can't make yourself righteous, but God will make you righteous, regardless of what you've done. God will make you righteous. And, and that's Jesus. 
he had he labored in his soul. Emotions and everything for you and for me to make us righteous before God. He was the servant of God. And so the cry is, God, make me like you. You are a servant. I just want to be like you. A servant of God. Not worldly. Not worldly. Only minding the things of the kingdom of God. We don't realize life is so short. We're struggling, running to and fro. We have forgotten. Even if it's 90 years compared to eternity, it's so short. And everything that you do out of the world, being worldly, is gone. Only that which you did in God remains. A godly person has chosen a life that no longer seeks satisfaction through sinful living or worldly living, but they've dedicated totally their lives to service of God. Remember when I came to Christ, I had no idea if I could last a week as a Christian. Because I knew the kind of things I was doing. Crazy stuff. And I've said it here before. Actually, a girl actually told me, I thought you wouldn't last a week as a Christian. They knew me well. But what they didn't know, when I received Jesus, he came into my life and transformed my life. They were still looking at what they knew, but there was a new creature inside of my life. And they saw there was change, a godliness. The direction and the focus of my life, by the grace of God, which my wife spoke about this morning, by the grace of God shifted. And no more the way of the world. I want more the way of God. And that's what you want as a Christian, the way of God. He changes everything by his spirit. And he can do that for you today. I wasn't aware he was working in my life. I had no idea. But afterwards, I couldn't do those things anymore. I didn't want to do them anymore. The desire was totally out. I didn't need them. In those days, if you ask me if I needed beer, I would ask you a question. Am I suffering? That's my reply. Only suffering people need beer. I don't need beer. I got the joy of the Lord in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy in my heart. You know that song? Joy in my heart. I sang this song. I don't need beer. You're the one suffering. You can drink your beer. To get you happy. I already got happy inside of me. I don't need that. Do not love the world. The scripture says in 1 John chapter 2 verse 15. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. The way they are living. They live for self. It's a self-promotion. It's all about me. And what I have. And who knows me? How famous? All of that goes away the day you die. And very soon you'll be forgotten. 
I don't know if it was true or not, but, you know, I heard this story long ago. Uh, they said that uh, James Brown, you know him? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> the bell-bottom times and all of that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the man is like, he took over our country. <laughs> His music was all over, I mean, it was everywhere, including the villages. <laughs> they had it in those uh, round tables, whatever they call it. And they were playing James Brown everywhere. But the time came, the young people didn't know who he was. They were now into another quote-unquote star. And they said, somebody told me, this was a time where the young people were not hearing about him. They were hearing about people like Prince and all of those people. Who is this fellow? But they said he was sitting in a first class with a lady in a jet or something. And the lady was sitting right by him. And he expected, you know, a black lady to know who I'm this is James Brown. And so they said he turned to her and said, do you know me? And she said, no. She's <laughs> like, why should I know you? And he says, I'm James Brown. And she says, so? <laughs> what does that mean? That into a new star. But we still talk about Peter. Amen. Amen. We still talk about Peter today. All of these people will be forgotten. But those who lived godly and not the worldly way, they stay forever. A fisherman. Till this world ends, they're still talking about a fisherman. Grew up in a tiny village. We're still talking about him because he was associated with God. He was godly, an an unknown person, uneducated. Now, PhDs are writing dissertations on Peter's writing and getting that degree from studying what a fisherman wrote who didn't go to school. Because Because of godliness. Being associated with God. Love not the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I was reading that scripture this morning and something came to me real quick. Jesus said in John chapter 17, he said, God, God, he was speaking to his father praying. He said, the love with which you love me, I pray that that love will be in them. And here he says, if you love the world, you didn't receive that love from the Father. And Jesus said, John says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's not like you're loving the Father. The Father put love inside of you. And now you can truly love like Jesus loved. Because Jesus said so. That the love with which you love me might be in them. That's the Father's love. In my heart. I didn't deserve it. He put it there. I can love God. Amen. And interact with him as if he's right there with me. And know when I've offended him to ask, this is wrong. I shouldn't have done that to you. It's a person in my life. Why? Because the Father put that love inside of me. He's there. Forever there. Because that love is eternal. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the fame, 
the lust of the eyes, we know what all those are, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. There is what is called the practice of righteousness. I mean the practice of godliness. I want to talk about seven things that we should know with regards to godliness. Practicing godliness is so important. Let me say this to you. There are some people who are very wealthy. For example, Bill Gates is a very good man. Right? He gives millions, 800 million, billions to, to charity all over the world. Yeah, he's a good man. But I won't call him a godly man. Not an insult. A godly person is the man who is doing everything just because of the name of Jesus. Because of God. Not because you care about people. That's good. That's good. But that's not godly. Godly is oriented towards God. I'm living to please God. Not just to help people. God. That's number one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's number one. I do what I do because of God. Not for any other reason. Yes, compassion, that's good. But it's because of God and His kingdom. That's what I'm I'm after. So, we have to understand there are certain activities that are related to godliness. That's part of godliness. First one is prayer. You cannot be godly without prayer. Read in the Old Testament all the way down. Every godly person was a person of prayer. And that's Old Testament. Every single one of them were people of prayer. And sometimes they pray instantly when they're trouble. You couldn't get Daniel in anything but through prayer. They said, well, we want to trap this Daniel. He said, this guy, he does everything right. The only way we can trap him is something that has to do with God. Godly. If it has to do with God, uh, you won't be able to get him. That's the only way, excuse me, that's the only way you can get him. So they've made a law, nobody should pray. <laughs> Daniel says, that's your law. I'm going to pray. Prayer, that's for the believer. You cannot live a Christian life without prayer. It's not praying occasionally. We are talking about, I mean, not praying when you are in trouble. Everybody can pray. Even unbelievers pray when they are in trouble. That's not what we are talking about. It's a life, a godly person must have a life of prayer. You have to spend time with God. God wants it. And that's the way it should be. The reason for that is he keeps your commitment to him on fire. That's the only way to do it. You have to talk to how can How can you have a relationship with somebody that you, you never talk to? And the only time you talk to him is when you are in trouble. You have to have a time. You can develop a habit so quickly 
And you can t- just wake in the, and t- let me tell you, if you, you can hear his voice. He says, I know his voice. I can hear him calling. When you've developed a time to spend with God, when that time comes, sometimes he'll wake you up. Because he wants to be with you. But if you have never tried to do that, you'll never know him. He'll never bother with you. You can live all your 99 years in this life. He'll leave you alone. Because the Bible says, draw near to God. And guess what? He'll draw near to you. He said, well, I don't feel God. Well, because you're not looking for him. If you're looking for him and you take that time out to spend with him, he will show up every time. He will show up. So you have to have that time to pray before God. Now, Psalm 63 verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. He says, this is David speaking. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. My soul. If you don't feel that, you, so, you know, dead people don't feel anything. Uh, dead people don't get hungry, you know. They don't want to eat. You can't even make them eat. And they don't want to drink either. But when you are alive, your soul should thirst for God. You should cry out to God. You know, Jesus is... I often say, Jesus was the only true perfect man. Apart from Adam, before he sinned, that's walked on this earth. So he came to show us how a man should really live. What it means to be a real human being, the way God intended it when he created mankind. He came to do that for us. To show us what it is. And look what it says in Mark chapter 1 verse 35. It says, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. Look, how many Christians have actually, I mean, there was no trouble, right? He wasn't like he couldn't pay his bills and he couldn't sleep. This was his person. A long while, he woke up to speak to the Father. No wonder he could say, I only do what I see my Father do. And I only speak what I hear him say. He had spent time with him. He had the time to see. It's really up to me. If I want, I can really get a hold of God. If I want to, I can I just have to listen as the Spirit woos you and tells you, I need you here. Come and talk with me. Talk to me. And things will begin to change. You may not even be aware that things, will sh- things are changing. I read a story. I think the guy's name was Robinson. He had spent God- time with God. He called it his closet. He locked himself there. He tried to pray. And uh, in about five minutes, he had finished everything he had to pray about. This is, this is torturous. How am I going to do this for eight hours? So he decided he's going to speak in tongues. That's the only way to pray. The first day he left that place, a woman who was totally, I had the book, I read through that book, 
a woman that was totally reading with arthritis, every part of her body, he just touched her, it was over. That was the first day. Because he had been with the master. Very important. You wake up early to spend time with him. Number two, give attention to the word. The word of God. You know, God says in, in, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, He says, God has given us, He has given us these great and precious promises that by them you may be partaker of His divine nature. So God is not against you having His divine nature. He wants you to have His divine nature. But the only way to get to His divine nature is through the great and precious promises. Where are the great and precious promises? Hey, you want to know? I'm glad you asked. It's in this book. You can live a divine life if you read the book. Right? Now, if somebody tells you, if you go through this uh, book, not the Bible now, just some, some book, by the time you get through it, you'll make a million. Guess what? Everybody's going to read that book. Right? Sure, you make a million. Oh, yeah. Give me that book. This is much bigger than that. This is better than that. Read the book. It's very important that we read the book. As you read, your faith is built. And God himself, the Holy Spirit, will explain to you some things in the book. This doesn't make sense. He'll talk to you. And that's when you become intimate with him through his word. You, when you pray, you talk to him. He'll talk to you through his word. And you think you're thinking, but it's him speaking to you. And then the intimacy grows. The longer you know him, the stronger you love him. The more he reveals himself to you, the stronger you trust him. It's all from the word. He will reveal himself through the word to you. If you will give him just a little time. This is eternal words. The words that created the universe. And the Bible says in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. You can imagine when you imbibe this word. Jesus said drink, right? When you imbibe this word into your life. Guess what you're taking? You are taking God into your heart, into your life. <laughs> when he comes in, things will change. Amen. I'll say it again. Things will change. From good to gooder. <laughs> things will change. Because of the word of God. He says the word will never return to him void. So what does that say? What is he talking about? That the word will not return to him void. Where is he directing the word? The word is directed to you. And God says if you will take that word and you imbibe the word, he'll come back to report, I changed him. I did it. The same word comes back and reports to God, we did it. He's done. He's God's word. He is the word of God, Jesus. 
He is that word. Listen. The Bible tells us, Joshua 1 verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You know, I thought about that. And I said, wow, that's serious. Am I not permitted to say something else? Because if I'm only speaking the, the book of the law, uh, the word of God, that's all sh- that should come out of my mouth. When you say good morning, I say good, and I go right back to the word. No good money for anybody. <laughs> Just the word. But it says, basically, you live by the words. Coming out of your mouth. And it says, you meditate in the word day and night. Meditate means to moderate to yourself. Often, you know, by the grace of God, I, I, I encourage you to take scriptures like uh, um, Psalm 23 and go through it over and over in your mind. When you're troubled and you're anxious and things going on, go to, just start quoting the scriptures. It comes alive. He's the word of God. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. John 6, 63, if you want to find that, that's what Jesus said. Even if you don't understand. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written. You know what that says? You cannot really observe to do it. You don't have the power. Meditating in the word and speaking the word from your mouth is what releases the power into your life. Read what it says. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you meditate in it day and night. That you may observe. That's the only way you can observe to do everything that's written in it. The word empowers you to do what's written in it. Because the word itself is life. It's spirit. And it changes you. It changes you. It says, for then, you'll make your way. Who is going to make your way? You will make your way prosperous. And then you'll have good success. I like the word, good success. You know what that means? There is bad success and there is good success. Amen. Good success means you're doing well. You're not sick. You're doing well. And you're able to enjoy what God has put in your life. Amen. It says the entrance into your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Number three, trust God with your heart, your life. This is so important. You know why? For you, it's what to do. God will expect you to trust Him. You know the easiest way to find out if you're trusting God or not? How many like to know that? (laughs) Check your anxiety level. If you are afraid and you are anxious and it's like, yes, pastor, I know God said that, but have you heard that before? I have a right to be anxious because see, see, I just got that mail. And look at what he's saying. Say, yes, let's pray. Yeah, pastor, look, this is more than prayer right now. So now, your problem is bigger than God, right? You don't trust him. You don't trust him. 
It's saying the same thing with giving. If you trust him, it won't be a problem for you. But if you don't trust him, he said, you just threw your money away. That's the way you see it. Because you don't trust the word. You have to trust him. And guess what? Unbelievers are watching. They know when you have, everyone is going to go through difficulty, a problem, right? They know. Well, there's something that is said. I want to backtrack a little bit. Can I go back a little bit? Yes. You know, concerning the word, if you have an office, put your Bible in your desk. Let them see it. Those see it, they may not make any they may not make any comment, but they notice that book is there. But just don't leave it on your desk alone because one is for you and then it's for them as well. Because of the kingdom's sake. Right? Let it be there. And from time to time, open it and even if it's just a few, let them see you doing that. And then they will watch you to see how this works for you. And they know when you are in trouble. That's why we come to this, this right here. We're talking about trusting God. They know when things have gotten, gotten bad for you. And they may be experiencing to it to, through uh, uh, same. But then they're watching you to see how you react to it. If you are so anxious and complaining and crying and all, doing all of that stuff, they're wondering, I thought you believe in God. Why is this so troubled? They'll never come to you for prayer because they know you're flaky. They'll never come to you for prayer. They know you don't even believe in your own prayer. Why would they come to you for prayer? You can't even trust God when you pray for yourself. How could you help them? They leave you alone. Flaky Christian. But when they see you trusting God, even in difficult times, and that's God, He allows it for the world and for you to build you up, to develop patience in your life so that He can minister to you so you don't have any want, any need in your life. God's able to do that. But they watch you, and then they see this trouble, and they see some kind of calmness in you in the face of trouble, and they ask you, yeah, you just told us about this, or we know about it, are you not troubled by this? No. I'm not ignoring it. Sometimes they'll tell you, you are burying your head in the sand. Have you heard that before? You are burying your head in the sand. And they challenge you about that. But then when they see God come true, and you are delivered from the problem. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember here, them? Daniel, do you remember him? Now, the king all of a sudden had great respect. Not just for Daniel, but for the God of Daniel. And then they are declaring, he is the only true God. They've been worshipping their God, but now they know there is a real God. His God. Daniel's God. Won't you like it when they say, I like his God. Amen? Amen. Let his God be my God. But it's all based and on trust. It's very godly because they know that you are living your life for God. You are trusting in God for your life. Listen to this scripture. This is Job speaking. 
Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Amen. No wonder he was so successful. Though he slay me, we're all going to go through difficult times. That we have to show that we trust him. This was his confession. Yeah, I'm going through something I don't understand. I don't know what I did wrong. My family is all gone. My homes, my business, everything is gone. And if I feel like God's killing me. But even if he's doing that, I will still trust him. I'll still trust him. That's godly. That's powerfully godly. And they're watching. Some people, it takes a little problem. I'm not going to church anymore. Stay home. And they eat your sorrows. God's not answered. Pastor, you said, if I did this, I did that. And God's not answering. Yeah, you're not patient enough. I'm not going to church anymore. Well, stay home then. When the problem becomes really great, you come back to church. We ask, you're back? Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Proverbs says, verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Well, if it's all your heart, you have no way to trust anybody else, right? It's only God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. It's not some of your ways. All your ways. Your job, your children, your travel, everything that you're doing. In other words, bring God into it. Make God a part of it. Because you trust Him, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Don't try to figure it out. Because God has seen the end from the beginning and you don't have any knowledge of it. You don't know His path. The path He's going to take. His ways are higher than our ways. But we just have to trust Him. God told Abraham, come out from your father's house to the land that I'll show you. Well, you know what I'll think? I said, when I go out the next day, I will see somebody standing by my door. He's God, and I have to follow him. There was nobody like that. Abraham just left. And everywhere he went, he trusted God. And God was with him. And that's, those were the places God gave to him as an inheritance. It is a life of faith. Amen? It is a life of faith. And we have to keep going. Even when things don't make sense, we still trust him. And we're going this way. Number four, give to God and give to others. Um, Christians will give to God. They give to others. Godly people give. That's part of our, the Christian life. You know, today people talk about people who give to charity. Even if they're not Christian, they love it. But it's even better when it's associated with Christ. And think, not just money. You can give time. You can go for somebody who is your neighbor. Think about it. Somebody who is your neighbor that you just know barely. 
If they are sick in the hospital and you are always there, two days you stay late with them, the whole family is wondering, what's this all about? And then you say, can I pray for you? Now they know where you're coming from. When they get well, they begin to ask questions. What church do you go? And I'm telling you, for that godly act, even if it was Jehovah's Witness Church, they're coming with you. And please don't go there. (laughs) Don't go there, please, okay? But godliness and doing an act to the poor, doing something that's good for somebody who is suffering is so important. Charity is so important. We need to do that. Notice something. I got to go through this quickly. Notice what Jesus says. Is, but when you do a charitable deed, notice he didn't say if you do, right? We are expected to do it. And then in the early church, they had a debate about whether the Christians should be circumcised or whether they shouldn't so that you can't really follow God unless you're circumcised physically. And they had a lot of battle about that. Some Christians felt, Jewish Christians felt, you need to be that way because that's what God said to Abraham and everybody. We all need to go through that. But then when the disciples and the Holy Spirit gave their verdict, this is what Paul said they said to them. They desired only, that's the apostles, the Holy Spirit, they desired only that we should remember what? The poor. Christians. Remember the poor. That's all the Holy Spirit desired. That's all the Christian. It's godly to remember those who don't have. If you can, to help. You don't have to give them a million dollars. It could be just a few dollars. But you don't know. Maybe that's the, the, they haven't eaten for two days. Right? And they're crying to God. God, where are you? And then you show up. And you, you give that. And then they go back and they thank their God. God has answered them. For two dollars, you change a man's life in relation to God. That's why he said here that they desire only that we should remember the poor. And Paul says the very thing that we also, they were also, I also was eager to do. In other words, all of them knew to remember including Paul. We should do that. Here we're talking about helping people back in Africa. We know that the people are hurting. You can't save all of them, but you can do your little bit, right? It's not how much you give. It's what you, where your heart is. I'm going to obey God. That's very important. I have to do that. I have to do it. God said to do it. It's, it's, it's godly. Add to your faith godliness. So important. I got to go real quick. Uh, Another one is fasting. Jesus said, when you fast, uh, uh, fasting is another thing. I'm telling you. By 12 o'clock, everything has changed. (laughs) You just started 6 o'clock, and you think the day is fast spent, and you look, it's just 11 o'clock. You see, up seven hours ago. But Jesus said, when you fast. Not if you fast. It's important that Christians fast. 
Another thing, forgiveness. God wants you to forgive. God is so big on forgiveness. Listen to this, Mark 11, verse 25, 26. And whenever you stand praying, I like this scripture, when you stand praying, when I was a a new Christian, we always had to kneel down to pray. Okay? Sometimes my knee was hurting real bad. I mean, I don't know why I'm going to that story. But we are concrete floor. But we nailed down real well. And then you find that scripture, stand praying. Okay, good. Now I can stand prayer. (laughs) That's good. Whenever you stand praying, if you have, listen, anything against anyone. Can you say the word with me? Anyone? Anyone. Can you think about your (laughs) mother-in-law? For some men, is their wife and that person at work. When you're preaching, <laughs> is that uncle? That person that's always he always finds fault in, and, and, and because if you have anything against what anyone, including that one you're thinking about now. <laughs> he says to what? Forgive. So if you stand praying and you refuse to forgive, why don't you just sit down? Forget about this standing up stuff. It's not going to work, right? Just sit down. Okay? So when you stand, if you have anything against anyone, anything, that's serious business. You know, one time Jesus told the disciples about forgiving a man 70 times 7 in, in one day. You know what the disciples said? Increase our faith. <laughs> this is going to take real faith. That God can make, if you, with the Holy Spirit in us, the spirit of forgiveness. Amen? You can. Remember the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can forgive all of them. And I love all of them, including the enemies. I'm never going to say, God, kill him. <laughs> Teach him a lesson. Then you know how right I have been all along. <laughs> and, and if he doesn't listen, kill him. <laughs> Finally. Amy, <laughs> you have a problem with that? Uh, finally, <laughs> this is the second finally. <laughs> uh, why do preachers have this syndrome? It's terrible. <laughs> they always go too many finally. Uh, but finally, give the gospel away. Give the gospel away to people. 
don't sit in a place where they are saying, find an opportunity to inject the gospel, to change life. I remember when I was at uh, UGA, University of Georgia, doing a master's degree, and I had a, a lady that uh, was a research, research assistant. She helped me do analysis in the lab way into the night. I was single then, but I was very uncomfortable being alone in the building with just this girl, late. And uh, we were doing titrations and all of that, and I keep thinking, how do I turn from doing titration and say, do you know the Lord? <laughs> That's not going to work. So days went by, and I got very uncomfortable. And this was sometime, and uh, this uh, great musician, uh, was, she was talking about how great this musician is. He's so popular and all of that. And uh, I, I just listened. I could care less about the musician, but I had to listen to her. And then finally I said, yeah, uh, this musician is doing so well. He's great, wonderful. And then I said, but, you know, all those things are truly meaningless after you die. And she turned around and looked at me like, what do you mean? I have my point. You see, I'm a Christian. <laughs> it was, if a way to defend myself and protect myself. You can't say you are a Christian and then start acting silly. Right? I said, I'm a Christian. And I understand these things. Life is fleeting. I got my Roman road, you know, how to be saved and all of that stuff. And she said, you know, I just received Christ newly. Wonderful. So I found a sister, and she was a baby Christian. And I started discipling her. She got filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we were doing our lab work, time went as we talked about scriptures. The titrations were great. As we were talking about God, and she asked so many questions. And then I told her, have you, have you received the Holy Spirit? I can help you. She said, yes. And she got the Holy Spirit. Now our research uh, was really a Holy Spirit field, I'm telling you. It was great. It was great. Enjoyed it. But you look for that opportunity. She asked a lot. She was in a lot of things that were bringing her down. She moved away from all of those. And I'm glad for her because she's a geneticist today. Um, It's amazing what God would do. Now, that's the final lift. (laughs) Okay? So, would you bow your heads with me, please, every one of you? You know, I don't know that God's in this place today. And for some of us, he's calling us to come back home. Come back home to him. Come back and be with Jesus. And let him be the master of your life. He knows you intimately. And let me say this to you. If you're going, I felt like there's somebody here. You are going through such difficult times. You wonder if there's going to be help from heaven for you. God wants you to know he's going to take care of the problem. Just trust him. Whoever that is, when they come, our prayer partners come up, please come, talk to them and pray with them.
There's no better place to be than to surrender to him, to Christ. And some of us, we already have accepted Christ, but would you please surrender your life? Basically, I want nothing more than I want you, Jesus. You are number one. Please help me to seek you with everything that I have. He is here today. Why don't you honor him by doing that? If you do that, that honors God. And God said, whoever honors me, him or her, I will honor. So I need you to honor him today. Not for anybody, not for pastor, not for anybody in the church. He's between you and your master, your God. Honor him by saying, I'm committing totally to you. I'm going to live my life for you. All heads bowed, eyes closed. I know there are some here, you know, you're thinking, I could do better than what I'm doing with God. I would like grace to go there. If that's you, would you put your hand up quickly? Put your hand up. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Would you all please stand up, stand up, stand up. Where is Bill? Bill Johnson? Is he here? Okay, I need you to come up and we need to pray for you. God's going to heal you, I believe, today. Yeah. <coughs> great man, great man of God. I really appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Shall we just bow our heads and honor him as we pray, especially those that are dedicating their lives to the Lord today? One thing I've often said for those of us that are dedicating, even if you didn't raise your hand, I found a secret in God's word. Please bear with me. I found a secret in God's word. If you will open your mouth and tell somebody that you have made Jesus the ruler of your life. Something will take hold of your life. It's over. The enemy knows to let you off. You're gone from him. Because Jesus said, if anyone confesses me before man, I will confess him before my Father in heaven. Let me tell you this. When Jesus mentions your name in heaven, every single angel will know who you are. They are not like us with forgetfulness. They remember perfectly. So every angel will know you as a, a child of God. That's why this is so important. Do the prayer here, but tell somebody. Find an opportunity to tell somebody, I have made Jesus the ruler of my life. Once he comes out of your mouth, it's recorded forever in heaven, and every single angel knows who you are. They know who you are. Amen? So pray with me this morning. Stay with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for my sin. God, I ask for forgiveness. Cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. Be the Lord of my life. 
I confess with my mouth, as I believe in my heart, that you, Jesus, today are the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Give him a clap offering.